Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talked to the founder of the Modern Samurai Project, discuss pistol red dot selection, and shoot the shit about appendix carry. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, on the opposite side of the table is the big man. Big Keith is in the house. Keith, how are we doing? I'm fired up tonight, Mike. <laughs> we had a little bit of extra time today, and uh, we were rambling about anything. I always feel like we should just record those conversations. Uh, there are some gems. I, I, I kind of uh, tend to agree with that. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, got, I don't know. You got me all fired up, so I'm excited. So uh, let's, get, let's get moving here, I man. I like it. So is I, a little birdie told me that uh, today <sighs> I knew is... this was going to come up. 10-year anniversary today? Yeah. And, and uh, you're spending it with me. Good man. Uh, honestly, the best thing I can say, first of all, I love my wife. That's the <laughs> That's first good. thing. That's a good thing. Um, but we really, you know, I don't know, maybe she only does this because like it's over time it's just gotten this way, but we're not really big on like an anniversary thing. So we'll, we're going to go to dinner on Sunday night sure. probably, but like we just woke up to in the morning and said, Hey, happy anniversary. And then moved on with life, you know? All right. Good for you. Yeah. All so. Right. So let's, uh, we got a really good guest for tonight, but I want to just do a couple little pieces of housekeeping and then we'll get right into it. We actually hit our, our, uh, 10,000th download, which was, which was great. That's and I actually awesome. got a stat. This is pretty interesting. We are actually, uh, in the 100 of all shows in like the nature and wilderness topic of podcast in Spain of all places. Oh, weird? that's strange. That's a weird thing, right? Yeah. So anyway, we've we're, been like we're get, we're traveling the country because where was it first? It was Australia. We we've been in a lot of countries at this point. A lot of countries. Like, I'll show you the map. Well, we one haven't day. physically been. No, there, no, no, but, no, 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 no. Oh, and by the way, I before I forget, please don't make the sound of me making those kissing noises a sound bite. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't give me that idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, I, I got to focus. So right. we're building this movement. We're getting a lot of people writing into us and, and, you know, I've had a lot of great experiences, but we need to keep this going. So there's three things, guys, you got to do this for us. Please join our mailing list, right? Ask Mike to make that a soundbite on the mailing list. If we get how many emails? Oh, I'll... I just need to get one. Oh, shit. That's bullshit. <laughs> if one person joins the mailing list, the gunexperiment.com, please go and join our mailing list. Five-star review and comment on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get ranked higher. So I know a lot of you are listening. I know it's a pain in the butt. You're in your car. Just go home, log on real quick. Just do it from your phone. Just do it. And then follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Perfect. All right. So just do those things for us. It really does help us out. Um, and now we're going to help you out. So I'm I am, excited about I am this. really, really happy to announce. I've been working on this for a while. We finally got it done. We have a new sponsor. I'm so pumped about this. A while back, we had Todd on the show from Spartan Armor Systems. We are now affiliated with them, um, and they are sponsoring the show. They're sponsoring this episode. And I said, first it was just, you know, we just had a kind of a little of a deal worked out. And I said, listen, I said, I have to give something to the listeners. I won't do it without it. And he agreed to give 15% off any product on their site with the discount code gun experiment 15. Awesome. So go get yourself some body or we tested it. We shot listen, it. That might be enough to make me pull the trigger on that ceramic stuff. That ceramic right. stuff is so nice. All right. So nice. So guys go out there and support them, support us and get yourself 15% off. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Our guest tonight is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a masterclass shooter in USPSA. His work has been featured in numerous publications, including Recoil Magazine and Combat Handguns Magazine. He's instructed members of various law enforcement agencies and is particularly respected for his instruction on red dot equipped pistols. Please welcome Scott Jedi Jedlinski to the show. Scott, how'd I do with the last name? Uh, perfect, man. Good to go. Yeah. I don't really pay attention. I don't really pay attention anymore. People butcher my last name. I butcher it all the time too. So. I'm so excited we have a Jedi on the show finally. <laughs> yes. We finally have a Jedi. Are you show. a Star Wars guy? Uh absolutely not. Oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. So so I am, but it's kind of like Star Wars movies and the and the uh the fans are kind of like uh how can I put this? It's like 
Corvettes, right? I love the Corvette. I hate people who drive Corvettes because they're all weird. <laughs> that's a they're really good way to put it. That's a great way you know to put it. I mean? Yeah, it's like, hey man, that's an amazing car. Why are you smoking with the windows up? That's don't <laughs> stop doing that. You know what I mean? You know, it's the same thing with Star Wars. It's like, bro, yes, I get it. Blah blah blah. I know all the you know where like the word Jedi comes from and the whole Japanese culture that. Uh, that uh, uh, Lucas had and everything like that. No, I don't know the circumference of tattooing. Back off <laughs> me. You know. All right, so Scott, I got one question for you about Star Wars, and then we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bo- Boba Fett. <laughs> God no. <Yep>. Is Boba <laughs> Fett a, a man or a woman? He's a man. Of course, he's a man. Of course, he's a man. Why who, did you? Who would yeah. ever say that he? Yeah. he's a woman. Who would ever say? I, that? Who would ever say that? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, anybody listening out there, go back to some episodes, and uh, you'll figure you'll out where figure that's from. Yeah, it's a title of an episode, I believe. Yeah. All right. So anyway, um, so Scott, uh, speaking of yeah. uh, the samurai culture, the modern samurai yeah. project, I have to say, is one of the more uh, unique, in my opinion, or cooler names for a company. Uh, I dig on like the names of companies because like when I've had projects, I've had to come up with a name. I go through a whole process. And so when I hear a cool name, I, I like it. Right. So how did you come up with that name? What does it what does it mean and where did it come from? So uh, people ask me that question a lot because, first of all, like, you know, they just assume that I'm part Japanese because the samurai thing. I'm actually, you know, half Polish. That's where the Jablinski comes from and half Korean. But the Japanese martial arts, especially jujitsu, and you know the current iteration of now Brazilian jujitsu has had such an a, incredible impact on my life up into uh, my teaching style with uh, Red Dot Pistols. Uh, that you know, it's the the samurai culture, the way of Budo has always had an extreme impact on me. Right. So when I got back into shooting. Um, I was talking to my buddy, uh, and I'm going to say his name, even though he is such a lily livered, libtard artist, freakazoid, right? (laughs) Lives in Portland and everything. He just, he's horrible, right? But he's an amazing artist. Okay. As a matter of fact, a lot of people know, it may know him if they were younger and they were a skateboarder. There's a very famous, uh, uh, skater by the name of Mike Vallely. Well, all the graphics on Mike Vallely's decks have been done by Greg since 1989. Wow. And Greg and I went to high school together. Um, so we were talking one time, like we reconnected and we're talking. And uh, he's like, dude, what you're doing is so cool, man. So, you know, you're doing the jujitsu thing, right? Back then I was really into cars. Uh, you're doing the shooting thing, man. And I know we was just talking about like, you know, samurais were about empty handed combat, uh, weapons and, uh, like transport, which was like horses and stuff like that. Yep. And it's like, yeah. So now you're like into cars and guns and jujitsu. It's like, man, you're like this modern samurai project. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I like it. I, I like, like Greg. Yeah. 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 And I, I said, it. What the, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> I'm right? writing that down. Like, yeah, I want that man. on a t-shirt. Yeah. And I go, dude, I've been thinking about making like this little like uh, website blog thing about my training classes and about jujitsu where I incorporate all that in. And that's a perfect name. Can right? I steal it from because, you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, even better. I'll do a logo. <laughs> so my, good for this guy. Yeah. So my, yeah, so my first logo was made by Greg. That's he didn't awesome. know this thing was going to explode, and all of his libtard friends were going to bust his chops about, you know, <laughs> that, that he's a part of it. Wanna, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that what you know, uh, if I do say so myself, you know, I mean, a few te- people teach out there more than I do, but you know, like a prominent firearms company, he did the logo front, right? So he's like unfriended me and all kinds of, you know, blocked me on Instagram and stuff. I just think it's fucking hilarious. Is the logo right? you, you know? have on your website now that logo? No, okay. no. So I changed it. Your logo is uh, dope, by the way. Your, your logo is very, very cool. So I just think. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. No, the new one uh, was inspired by. So I was. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, you can't say their name on the interwebs or put it in writing, but let's just say an elite unit of the FBI that I won the contract to get them spun up on their red dot 17 pistols. Okay. Right. They go. Bro, love the class, love everything. We love your uh, patch, but we'll never wear it because it's just too bright. Uh-huh. And I'm like, so if I got a more subtle logo, you guys would like put that on your 
on your ship? <laughs> like, fuck yeah. Well, I was like, boom, there you go. <laughs> and uh, so there's an artist on Instagram. He's actually a Northern, uh, Northern Irish uh, tattoo guy by the name of James CRX on Instagram. Go check his stuff out. He is amazing. So I reached out to him uh, to do the new logo and he just, he knocked it out of the park, man. It's so. definitely, it's definitely really cool. Um, something I always am interested in when, when we meet new people and uh, especially, you know, successful guys like yourself, where did you come up in the world of firearms? How did, where was your first experience and, and uh, did, or did they find your way in life later? Yeah. So I, I would probably tell you that, um, you know, uh, guns were not a prominent part of my life. Right. So I'm a air force kid, uh, and guns have nothing to do with the air force for the most part, for the most part. Right. Uh, that, that's a joke for my buddy, Mike Jones, grandson. Anyway, they're, they're only on, uh, they're only on airplanes. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, you know, between JTAC guys, uh, PJs, blah, blah, blah. There's actually a lot of elite units in the air force, but it's, it's the running joke, right. Okay. That the air force has nothing to do with guns anyway. So, but there was always, you know, my dad would have a friend and you'd go plinking here and there, but it wasn't really a big part of my life living on air force bases. You know, you don't do a lot of hunting on air force bases, right? <laughs> no. Uh, you're not even allowed to have a. You're not even allowed to have a gun on an Air Force base at at your house, right? Like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I wouldn't know. I mean, I, sure. I, I, you know. So uh, my dad retired in Vegas when I was 16. He retired at an Ellis Air Force base, and uh, I had a couple friends that shot, and you know, you'd go plinking here and there, but nothing that not nothing that big, right? You know. Then I went out on my own and stuff, and you know, I always had a gun, but. You know, it would be in the bottom drawer, <laughs> nothing in the chamber type. You know, I yep. couldn't even tell you what it was. Um, kind of faded in and out of it, right? Uh, and then, you know, when I went back to jujitsu, you know, because I've been doing jujitsu since 96, uh, fell out of it, came back into it, blah, blah, blah. Really started getting back into it end of 2008. Uh, and where I live in uh, Metro DC, uh, Leesburg, Virginia, the free side of you know, Metro DC, uh, it's impossible to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu without, you know, training with face shooters, right? Mm -hmm. If you have 20 dudes on the mat, you know, 15 of them are law enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. Whether local, state or federal. Uh, and I would say it's a very and, gun, gun friendly culture too, Scott. Uh, it used to be, I mean, Virginia is turning into DC light. No, no, right? I mean, I'm sorry. Let me, uh, let me correct that, Scott. I, what I'm saying is I, I, I practice jujitsu as well. And I find that people who do jujitsu also are very open-minded to firearms is what I'm saying. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Oh yeah. Because you know, I mean, if anything, we know you have to train all the ranges, right. Yep, and yep. intermediate distances where you can't touch a person is a range. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I don't carry around a bow and arrow. So, you know, um, <laughs> you don't like so yeah. So I helped a buddy out, right. Uh, get his blue belt and he was part of the state department's MSC division. Um, and he said, Hey dude, I got to pay you back, man. I'm like, nah, you dude, you're doing the country's work. You're all good, man. He's like, well, I got to do something, man. Do you shoot? And I'm like, I own a gun. He's like, well, let me, let me give you a couple lessons here. I'm like, Oh hell yeah. This could be a good time. Uh, and then it just, after that, it just kind of turned into another martial art for me. Just kind of clicked, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Right. So, uh, it was kind of a hobby for a couple of years. And then, so I have bad knees, not from jujitsu, but for playing pickup basketball in Vegas. Right. <laughs> uh, I was, I was one of those taking out a lot of great basketball players, you know, the, the, Basketball scene in Vegas that knocks their knees right out all the time. Anyone who plays out there. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I, yeah, hear exactly, I hear it all the time. Dude, Vegas is, so don't play basketball in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Sun, sunset Park, you know, 10 full courts, outdoors, breakaway rims, blacktop. And I had the unfortunate um, thing of being a very large man who could jump with Asian flat feet. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that only lasts for so long. Right. Uh, but jujitsu probably when I went back to, well, I started jujitsu back then, but when I went back to jujitsu, it probably gave me another five or six years on my knees. Cause I lost so much weight, got so much more, you know, uh, muscle tone going on and all that other stuff. Uh, but eventually when you start that meniscus slide, there's no way to stop it. Right. So I got my knee replaced in 
2012, 2013. So the only thing I could do to retain the man card was go shoot at the local range, which is five minutes from my house. Uh, and then from there, it just became another martial art for me. So that's really how I, you know, that's really how I got really, really into shooting. shooting. Yeah. So Scott, so uh, let's talk more about your professional uh, endeavors with firearms. So I'm sure you're very capable mm-hmm. of teaching uh, many different types of firearms courses, right? But your main focus, anyone pokes around your website, your expertise seems to be pistol red dots and appendix carry. So what made you yeah. decide to specialize in those two areas in particular? And by the way, these are two areas that I'm extremely curious about. Um, and I have a lot, you know, I designed a whole show around it, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> So the red dot, um, in particular, right. Is, you know, I wear glasses, uh, yada, yada. Right. I would always shoot at this indoor range that was near me. And like most indoor ranges, no matter how great the lighting is, the lighting sucks. Right. Uh, so I would shoot irons and I would be okay. And then my buddy had a FN, uh, an FN, FNX 45 with a burst fast fire on it. And I shot it and it was like, St. Michael started singing to me cause I could see everything. Mm-hmm. you know, and I never looked back from there. Right. So I'd always shoot a red dot and I didn't realize I was on, you know, one of the early adopters of it. Um, so there's that, uh, AIWB, uh, you know, I used to carry three o'clock and, uh, right when the, uh, uh, Eidolon from, um, Raven came out, Raven concealment came out. Right. And I was a three o'clock guy, blah, blah, blah. And, um, the instructor there said, Hey, I just wanted to show you something. I'm like, okay. So he was like, I just do, you're going to draw, you're going to do two shots and you're going to holster from your three o'clock concealed position. Okay. Boom. And it was glorious, man. I got, I flipped that cover out. I got that gun, married my grip. It was perfect. Bam, bam, two rounds touching at seven yards. It was glorious. And I did it in one seventy-five. <laughs> and I'm like, ha ha, there we go. <laughs> and he goes, now what I want you to do is take your Glock, put it in this holster and put it, you know, in the front of your, on front of your belly button on your belt. Right. I'm like, uh, I'm pointing at my junk, bro. <laughs> right. And he goes, just try it. Just try it. Right. So I go, so I go, all right. So boom, I lifted my shirt up. I got that gun. This draw was the jankiest thing I've ever felt. My grip felt like shit. I hit those two bang, bang. And I did it in one twenty-seven. Wow. Wow. Half a second. Just right? like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I went, Oh, and then I thought about it and I started applying uh, principles of jujitsu, right? So one of the things we say in jujitsu is whoever controls the inside, inside the shoulder and the hip line is usually going to win the fight. Whoever is on the outside of the hip line is going to get armbar choked or comorid. <laughs> is that true, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's great. It's great. It's a great way to put it. Yep. Yep. Right. So when you go for your gun at three o'clock, you're on the outside. As a matter of fact, if you take that same position, like if you guys right now go with your like little uh, air hands to your air gun at three o'clock, right? Yep. So Mike, with your dominant firing hand, what position is that in? If somebody did it on the mat, what would you do to them? Yeah, Kimura. Kimura. Yeah, Kimura. You would Kimura them, right? Because they're on the outside. So structurally, that's why AIWB is better structurally mm-hmm. the red dot is better because of one focal plane yeah we'll, we'll get into shooting. this later in the in the show but like obviously there's better control in that frontal area right so well i i so i scott i recently shot my first red dot um mm-hmm. what a difference i felt in time to target and time back on target after shot you know can you are there any other advantages that would help our listeners maybe make this decision to go down the route of uh red dots on their on their pistols well, I mean, that's, I mean, what more do you need than that? Nothing, right? I thought, but so, thank you. I yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited that I just said that and you were like, yeah, that's perfect. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> that's the first yeah. time that's ever happened. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what 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 else is what else is there? I again, I I don't know. I yeah. was asking I was asking the expert. And yeah. I appreciate you, uh, you know. Yeah. So you, making you me take, feel good. You take that exactly what you just said. You take yep. the idea that you can get shots on target faster, you know, sights on target faster, and follow yep. up shots faster. I didn't even know I was looking for that, and I, it just was natural. Right. So you do that, and then one of the things I've noticed from watching a lot of your videos, Scott, is you seem to preach constantly this need for shooters to remove 
you know, any kind of unnecessary movements and practices from their draw. And, you know, you even kind of say like, you know, don't worry about the tactical this or the tactical that, right? So have mm-hmm. you always had such a pragmatic approach or has that developed over time with more experience as an instructor? Like what's the, you know, because you have a very, very specific way you teach people to draw and how to draw fast. And a lot of that is cutting out unnecessary movement. So did that develop over time or have you always been that way? Uh, so that, that's an interesting question, right? Um, obviously it, it's developed over time. The technique has been extremely, uh, refined as to what to do, what not to do, um, really came at the culmination of taking all these classes, being a good shooter, then going to a competition and are we allowed to sh- swear on the show? Yeah, I already swore already. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I actually, then, I think I already did. Yeah, exactly. And then and then going to a class, a tactical class, your top shooter, and then you go to like a USPSA match and you get your shit pushed in from the seventy five year old guy who just put down his oxygen max to shoot the stage, right? <laughs> and then you're just there in like disbelief and going like, wait a minute what just happened here? (laughs) And then you get to the understanding that that old guy, that old broken guy, right. With like, you know, the 82% oxygen levels can't do anything extra if he wanted to. Right. So he has to do the exact bare minimum to get his, you know, exercise accomplished or whatnot, or the stage accomplished, but there's something to be learned from that. And that's the next level of what, uh, you look at it with a comparison to jujitsu, right? You you just observed that though, Scott. Like you just observed that and were, and was like, yeah, the, he's just trying yeah. to. He, what's what's the yeah. saying? Like if you want something done efficiently, find the laziest guy to do it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Something like something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Have you always? Have you always been like that? Well, let me ask it another way because I we're t- bringing it down really simply, right? By saying find the laziest guy to do it, do it the most efficiently. Really, the way you're describing it and the way you're describing how you determine that that's what's happening is something that I feel has probably been a part of your life your entire life. Like, have you always been that way? Have you always been like a a very particular? Very lazy, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you brought it back to lazy and not particular. Yeah. Are you a very detail oriented port? Like, did you have like, uh, I don't want to say OCD or Um, anything, but like. I am I am OCD about my shooting and about teaching. Everything else, I could give a shit. Yeah. Okay. Especially Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Okay. Especially cool. Star so Wars. So this is like <laughs> yeah. really the first thing that you just like in when you started training and it started to click for you. You were just all in. Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, I was very OCD, but I'm OCD about my jujitsu too. Yeah. That's a great segue for my for my next question, Scott. I want to talk about jujitsu for a second here. So. We have a shared passion for grappling. Uh, yeah. You're you're a little bit further in your journey. I'm a blue belt. I believe you're a purple belt, correct? Yeah, but further is relative, bro. I've been a three stripe purple belt since 2011. Okay, well, so. it took me a while to get my blue, so I was I was a slow learner. So we we might be similar, yeah. but anyway. Um, so I often feel like grappling with a gun would be an absolute friggin' nightmare, right? And for the record, I would always try to disengage if possible, verbally disengage. I, if I'm carrying a gun, I want mm-hmm. no part of, of tangling with anyone. But right. if it came down to it and you know something happened, would appendix carry be an advantage or a disadvantage in a ground fight? So where I'm going with this is, let me just preface, Keith, I apologize. I'm going to kind of geek out on this a minute and listeners. So when you're on the ground and you are in trouble, one of the things you'll often do is what's called shrimping or hipping out. So you'll go on your yep. side and you'll try to make space by moving your ass and your legs sort of away from your opponent. If you're carrying at three o'clock, that's going to be very hard to do. It's going to be very hard to get to your gun if you're in the middle of hipping out. Mm-hmm. But appendix carry where it's in front of you seems like it would be very hard to do guard and guard is where your legs are wrapped around your opponent and you're basically keeping them trapped right. with your yeah, legs because you wouldn't be able to reach it well you'd be able to reach it but it'd be hard for you to like kind of like crunch your body up so my question is how do you do jujitsu with appendix carry 
Uh, so first of all, I can only speak to my experience about it, right? If people really want to get dive into that, they need to look up the ShivWorks group, right? So Craig Douglas, right, of ShivWorks fame, ECQC, uh, Paul Sharp, uh, Cecil Birch, Larry Lindemann, right? They are the masters at that. Uh, as another organization, my buddy Cliff Byerly, Hill Country Combatives, uh, those guys are uh, masters at that, right? Uh, I will tell you that I have rolled with a blue gun in my appendix setup, and I've never had a problem tripping. Uh, my setup is very specific, though. I have a wedge, right? And it doesn't interfere with tripping whatsoever, right? Okay. Now, why is appendix better in a grappling situation? Again, saying only from my experience, not being an SME like the previous guys that I've mentioned, uh, we talked about center line versus being on the outside, right? When you're three o'clock, uh, despite like, you know, being on your side in half guard or something like that, uh, the gun is easier to get to. But more importantly, it's easier to protect and retain because you have both hands center line right? Being able to fight any incoming hands, right? Whereas if you're three o'clock and the guy's going for your gun at three o'clock, you really just have your strong side to defend because your other hand, if it comes over to help, it's cross the center line and it's markedly weaker and, and really not of any advantage. So that's why appendix is better in a grappling situation. I would think from a fighting perspective, um, if a guy has, for instance, if a guy is in your guard, there's obviously advantages, but even if a guy's in mount, Right. So a guy has mounted you. You he has decisions to make. He either has to yep. go for the gun. He has to throw punches. He has to, you know, so that is going to create some problems for him because if he goes for the gun, it's going to expose him in different ways. Right. That's your hands. Yep, 100%. Are and, and plus, even even if there wasn't a gun. Right. So if you do your situational rolling in class where the guy starts in your guard, OK, yep. you know, he's either going to stand up or he's going to base off of somewhere near your center line and try and push down your knees and get out. Right. So what do you yeah. do as the guard player? You protect your center line near your groin right. so that he can't, so that he can't base. Right. Right. What's the difference between protecting your center line by near your groin or protecting your gun, which is an appendix. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, the one I always wonder is because you, when you're in guard, you're kind of like your legs are kind of bent upwards. So I thought maybe that would like be very painful to have the gun jetting into you like that not with the not with the proper holster not with the proper holster gotcha we'll get to that in a later segment for sure i don't have a proper holster i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) i had came across when i was doing some research that you were doing some online courses and mike had mentioned that you you have stopped you had not you're not doing them currently do you think you're going to start them back up again no no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No. Only I, because I, mean, I, I, don't, could, I don't. I don't have any time. Well, it, it. You know. So here's a couple things that I noticed from my way. First of all, I kind of felt like you were ahead of the curve because it looked like you had started that a little bit before everyone else maybe did. You know, did you have a good experience or was it? You know, is it really solely oh, it time? Great. No, it's solely time, man. Um, I'm on the road these days, 300 days out of the year. When yeah. I get off the range, right, the last thing I want to do is do an online lesson with somebody and and yeah. and play yeah. Groundhog Day. Would you would you ever consider like doing something like that to even help you stay home a little bit and do like an online course where where more than a few people could register? Like, how many people did you have in the course at a time? Uh, no, it was one on one. It was one on one. Wow! So you were charging sixty bucks an hour for one on one? Oh no! Right before I quit off, I was charging one hundred twenty dollars an hour, and it wouldn't stop. Get out of here, Scott. That's cr- well. You know what it is. I'll tell you why. Because I, I know exactly why. Because you're solving problems with red dots that people are having, and, and again, we'll talk about that yeah. down the road a bit. And if I can't get out to you know Virginia, but yeah. he can just log on and show me, and I can get results out of it, it's worth 120. But send me the gas money. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. Yep. So I, I could see why it would be. You know, how how long beneficial. were how long were the course the classes? One hour, an hour? It was a one hour, oh, an hour. That's private right. session right. over one Skype hour. and dry fire. Yep. One hour. That's it. That's, that's crazy. So listen, uh, I do want to get us moving because we have a, I mean, you have so much knowledge and I want to tap into it. Um, so where can people find you if they're looking to take courses and want more information? What's the best places yeah. to just Google modern samurai project? Uh, everything will, you know, even if you find me on Instagram, it'll take you to the website. If you find me on Facebook, it'll take you to the website, YouTube, it'll take you to the website. And that's, and that's where the schedule is. Awesome. And I've also put all that in our show notes. So anybody listening can find you pretty easily. So Scott, we play a game on this show called run and gun. And basically it is a rapid fire 10 question game where I will ask you 10 questions and you give the first thing that comes to your mind. You down to play that? 
Sure. All right, cool. So here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? My five-inch Walther, PDP. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Ooh, uh, what gun would I buy if money was no object? Ooh, no idea because I have every gun that I want to own. Sorry. I never, we never had that answer. That's Lucky good. man. Lucky man. Is <laughs> if, you could have a drink, if you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Oh, Hicks and Gracie. Favorite caliber. Favorite caliber, nine millimeter. Favorite hobby, not gun related. Jiu-jitsu. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. All hell breaks loose. Is it better be armed or trained? Oh, I'm going to say arm because if you're training, you don't have the arms. Who cares? <laughs> is, it right. better, is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Uh, if I could only have one rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Oh, that's tough. I'm going to piss some people off here. Greg, uh, Greg, man, he made your first logo, gave you the name. Yeah, but he said he's a liberal that doesn't like guns. <laughs> oh, true. yeah, no. One one person that the world falls apart, other than my spouse, yeah. uh, AJ Zito of Practical Performance, because he shoots his ass off and he can build guns from scratch. How about that? Let's mix it up. All right, so tonight on Let's Mix It Up, we discuss uh, pistol red dot selection and strategies with the master. So you're, you are definitely known for this. So I feel very lucky to have you on the show. So I feel very fortunate to have yeah, you too. Because so let me start by saying that I, I have not much experience. I just shot a pistol with one. At, we did a shoot together. Tony Simon, yeah. And we both Thank got you, to, Tony. Yeah, we got to shoot red dots. And I recently bought a SIG P365XL, which now will be able to put a red dot on it. So I'm mm-hmm. getting closer to this point of pulling the trigger, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so thing to say. red dot selection, what do you recommend? And please, if you give us like a couple for full size and then a couple for like compact and subcompact. Um, so let me, let me say this. Uh, picking an optic based on the size of your gun is a misnomer. Don't do that. Okay. 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 You can make any optic fit on any gun. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, 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 and I will say this just like with a, with a pistol, more gun, more better with a red dot, generally more, more dot, more better <laughs> as far as okay, class okay. size and things of that nature. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yep. we're starting to, we're starting to go down this small red dot thing. And I personally, uh, don't think it's necessary, but that being said, here's my pecking order. The King is still the Trichicon RMR. Yeah, it's been around the longest. It's uh, the Type 2 is about as bomb-proof as you're going to get, right? Uh, number two, anything by Hollow Sun. People get wrapped around the axle that it's Chinesium. I get it, guys. The Chinese invented gunpowder. Get over that shit. <laughs> get over right? it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but what I like about Hollow Sun, great price point, very durable, and has lots of features and benefits that you can shut on and off if you want them or not. And the thing I like about Hollow Sun is that whether or not you like that Chineseium crap, they are pushing your favorite optics company to be more affordable, more, more durable, and more features or benefits, and that benefits everybody, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is in flux, right? Uh, I used to say the Delta Point Pro. Uh, I have had nothing but horrible luck with the Delta Point Pro. That may be me. I may have like some chromosome that doesn't jive <laughs> with that thing. I don't know, man. Uh, I know plenty of dudes that do serious work with the Delta Point Pro. I just haven't had any good luck with it. Uh, it breaks my heart because Loophole's an amazing company, and I wish sure. they would uh, improve that thing instead of focusing on that dumb little dovetail pipe cleaner. Hmm. Well, how do we get them out. how do we get them to give you a call and you can help them fix it? Oh, I already I've already talked to them. They don't <laughs> they're not listening. <laughs> they're not listening. Not, yeah, yeah, they got their they got their own thing. So you would say uh Trigicon, Holosun, what's your third pick? Well so so the third thing in flux, right? And actually it's not in flux anymore because I just finished uh my testing on it. The aimpoint acro 
P2, not the P1, the P2. Uh, so I've had it for about three months now. The battery has lasted 90 days. Uh, it is absolutely a good to go optic and based okay. on my testing. Why is it number three, not number one? Because it's the most expensive dot on the planet, mm. right? Okay. Yeah, by uh, point. And by aim, yeah, and there's still not enough rounds through it in the wild uh, to substantiate that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, 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 and, and, and it's not for sale yet. So how the, how the hell am I going to make that higher? And it's, nobody even has one yet. I actually get yeah, people yeah. throwing shade at me because I have one and they don't on, on the Instagrams. It's like well, that bene- benefits of being in the industry. I was going right? to say, say they don't well, tell them they don't have a cool name. Yeah. Say get a cooler like, name uh, and you can get one. I'm like, a guy's yeah. like, oh, I guess you have to have 40,000 followers in order to get one of those. I'm like, or teach a hundred classes a year. Which one do you think it is, buddy? So, you know? so Scott, one of my issues with this topic that when I, when I saw that we were going to talk about this is like, I'm as any listener of the show knows, I'm a huge shotgun guy. I play, I love playing trap and skeet. And, uh, I'm also working on a, a hunting rifle and I keep throwing more money into those two sides of firearms and very little, money into like my everyday carry situation. And, um, when I'm having, when I saw this conversation, I was like, man, I'm kind of feeling a little inspired that maybe I need to devote the next disposable funds to a good red dot or something like that. And I mean, maybe I'm making a mistake by not doing that on my everyday carry. And I was hoping maybe you can give me a little bit of, uh, advice on that. Well, I mean, you know, mistake is a, is, is a harsh word. You've made it this sure, far in life sure. without getting I mean, killed in the street. So, I, you know, um, I know. I think, I mean, I'm a pretty good shot. I think, I don't think I have a problem with that. Right. Mike, he doesn't want to say it out loud, but he's shaking his head over there. I was, he's not bad. <laughs> uh, just think about this, right? If you could shoot your pistol visually the way you do everything else in your life, why yep. wouldn't you? Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. When, when you drive your car, do you focus on the windshield or do you focus on the road? Focus I on focus the road. on the on the road, right? And and let let's kind of compare like you like cars, those heads up displays and like those Corvettes or my wife's Volvo, that makes it a lot better. And I mean, isn't a red right. dot sort of like that? You know, it's hundred percent like that. Yep. Yeah. Or, or thinking of it like this, right? You're driving on the road, right? And then a big ass bug hits the windshield right in front of your face. What do you do? What do you do for like two milliseconds? You focus on uh, the bug, right? Yeah. And then yeah, you go, oh shit, the ro- oh shit, the road. And then you go back to focusing on the road. That, that was bug a big ass bug. Is, yeah. Yeah. That bug is your front sight. Got it. Right. And that's the way we teach. That's the way we teach iron sights. Don't focus on the road. Focus on the bug. What? Right. Yep. You're if blowing up the target. That, it makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's like, what? No, I'm going to go ahead and focus on the thing so I don't die. Yeah, yeah that's right? an interesting uh, analogy. I like that. Right. So before I, I do have some other stuff here, but before I do, uh, you gave your three. So I've been leaning towards a hollow sun 507K. You would say that's a good pick? Uh, sure. Yeah. You like it because it's small and you're going to put it on a small gun? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Okay, sure. Cool. So <laughs> whatever. What's, what's the difference between uh, the red and the green? Do I want red? Do we want green? What do we want out, out there? Um, so Hollow Sun's very good about giving options, right? Um, why do people, some people like the green? So science, you know, which is, especially in this industry, <laughs> we take that word science. Oh, God. And in this, we, in, you mean in life right now? Take the word well, science and- Well, actually, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So in this industry, we do- that we take that word science, what the rest of politics does with the word science. It means not a goddamn yeah. thing, but yep. right. According to some science, right. Uh, the human <laughs> eye could pick up green better than it could pick up red. The problem you found that is to be true? why the hell are stoplights red? Have you found that to be true, Scott, <laughs> with your experience with red, with red dots and uh, um, no, uh, no, I would say, I would say maybe, I would say maybe. Right. But here's the thing. The problem is uh, for backdrops of things out in the wild. Sure. That makes there more. Is there more red on backdrops or or is there more green backdrops? More green. Yeah. Green. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, it's going to get lost in backdrops if you're shooting, you know, out in the wild or whatever the hell that means. Right. Yeah. So the second reason is that supposedly it's better with people for people with astigmatisms. 
right? That was my next question. So yeah. what about dealing with astigmatism? Because I, I, I have a red dot on my rifle. And I'm not gonna lie, like it sucks. Like, can I hit it? Can I hit but a target? You, but, of course, but I can you hit like a my, the aim point on mine. You you say does not give you the same. It's problem. not, but I mean, it's still there. So, you know, can I hit a target? Of course, if I'm hitting a a, a man sized, you know, center mass target, it's a blur dot, but it's still a dot in a giant torso, right? So, yep. is that is it just deal with it, or is there something I'm missing here? Um. Well, so first, let's go through astigmatisms, right? The problem is everybody wants the same answer for every astigmatism. There yeah, are like impossible. 10 million varieties of astigmatisms, yep. right? I have an astigmatism. If I stare at the target, the dot's purely clean. If I stare at the dot, what I see is a dot. And uh, I don't know if you guys are into uh, car racing at all, but there's a yeah. very famous track in Germany called the Nürburgring. Yep. I see the Nürburgring at five o'clock on my dot. <laughs> well, that's pretty freaky. Yeah. <laughs> but who and cares? oddly specific. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So people with the tickets are like, well, you know, I see like an eggplant or a half crescent or, the, or a football, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, how big is it? What do you mean? Well, your dot's 3M away. How big is that? And like, I don't know, 5M away? Well, your front sight's 65M away, bro. So who cares what it looks like? Right. Yeah, and yeah. you are also staring at the dot. That's why you see so much detail in that dot of the shape. Stop doing that. Look at the target. Okay. Yeah. So it's the exact, exact opposite of what we've always been taught. Instead of bl you're blurring out the dot, don't blur out the target. Correct? Correct. Yep. Again, when you look at the dot, not the target, you're focusing on the bug on your windshield, not the road. And see so how well that works out. Let me ask a question about this is I'm somebody who likes to say things a little bit different and see if I'm on mm -hmm. the right track. Yeah. So it's almost, do you, would you say that most new shooters want to focus on the target and not the sights? Yes. So this is like a more natural way to become accurate. Oh, definitely has to be because you have to train yourself to blur out the target and the rear sight. Correct. That's an unnatural Correct. thing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right. So I think for like, a, so if you took a brand new shooter, they would adapt to a red dot quicker than someone who's been shooting iron sights. Am I right about that, Scott? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what are some of your tips on, so, you know, myself or anyone else out there, we, we pick up a, a red dot or a green dot. And what are some, what's your tip since we can't do your uh, online hour training course anymore for mm -hmm. picking up the, the dot quicker? Cause it is hard for me. You I, can send Mike a bill. Yeah. I, I do feel like I point mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm, I'm pointing and I'm not picking it up right away. What, how do we fix that a bit? Yeah. So I'll give you the trick that more importantly, how to find the dot, but not more importantly, but just as important is to know where the dot is when you can't find it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The dot is in two places. If you're a right-handed shooter, right? Left-handed people just reverse what I'm saying. But uh, for both of them, it's it. the first place where it is, we can't find is that it's high. You are used to looking That's in true. one focal area, your iron sights, but the dot is higher than your sights, right? So you need to be able to bring it down. So the first place is high. How do you bring it down with your support hand pinky, apply inward pressure and the dot will drop from 12 o'clock every single time. Scott, that is exactly what I experienced with those red dots with Tony Simon. Every yep. time I couldn't find the dot, it was high. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. yep. The next the next place where it is, is to the left as a right-handed shooter. It's to the left because you're doing this, that dumbass punch out stuff, right? And because you're punching out, your body doesn't know where to stop because it doesn't have an index of what's out there. Uh, so your dominant right arm overtakes your support hand. And when, because your body works like an X, right? That's why your seatbelt goes diagonally, not straight up mm -hmm. and down. You push to the left, right? Because for example, if you throw a right hook and you miss, where does your fist go? To the left. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? So because you're punching out. I'm mimicking it right now and I can see exactly where you push out and it's pushing your, your whole uh, support hand to the left. Right. That's yep. what's happening. Yep. It's yep. overpowering it. Right. So how do you do that? Stop punching out. It's dumb. Okay. Uh, what do you, so, so what do you do instead when you say stop punching out? You're so, saying don't push so forcefully. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. Think about okay. So yeah. So stop. So stop I mean, trying I so hard. Thing. Stop trying yeah. so hard. <laughs> yeah. Just stop trying so hard. Yeah. Stop trying so hard, man. Uh, I have a whole concept of, uh, 
what I call the 80, 20, 90, 10, 95, five, right? So think of when you're presenting out the 100 is when the dot is perfect on the target and you've broken the shot. Okay. 80, right. Is 80% of that. So you, when you draw, you're racing to 80, right. As, as urgently as possible. And then you just break, right. You modulate, you coast into it so that your muzzle goes exactly where you want it to, because when you get to the 100, there's no energy, right? Think about coasting into a stop sign. You don't get to a stop sign and hit the brakes right away, right? Because what happens? You wind up overshooting the stop sign, which is exactly what you do when you punch Or out. your wife smacks you for slamming on the brakes to her. <laughs> That's exactly. her makeup opera. <laughs> right? Doing exactly. Makeup. Well, you did that on purpose. Makeup, right? Right? Yeah. Not so that instead, she knows of. Yeah, you get about 15, 10 yards, you start feathering that brake and bleeding off energy. So when you get to the stop sign, there's no energy. So you're not stopping hard. Why don't you do the same thing with your presentation, right? If you do that, yeah, if you do that, you're not going to overrun what is your 100, right? Where the dot is on the target and over dip, right? Or push to the left or, you know, uh, have the dot too high because you didn't get your support hand early. So that's the other thing. Get your support hand on the gun. Your firing hand is the gas. The only thing you should look at your firing hand for is to pull the trigger. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Your support hand is the control hand. It's the steering wheel. It's what controls oh. recoil and at what aims the gun. And that frees up your firing hand to pull the trigger. And on your videos, I mean, people can go watch your YouTube stuff. You talk about getting the gun out of the holster, marrying it to the support hand, and then yep. and then moving it out in front of you, right? So, I mean, there's there's great there's great content out there. You know, yep. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know steal your whole spiel, but I think that's really great tips. My one last question on red dots is if you don't have the ability for a for backup sites or if you are in a situation where let's say they get caked with mud you know whatever the case is you can't use your backup sites right I'm, I, obviously i'm just painting a picture where you can't use backup sites yeah. um do you teach any of the like either amputation or cornering or reference point stuff sure there, do sure have, do the gross, preference? The gross site pictures right is yeah. that's what i do you have, do you have a preference of which one you do nope i don't care just use one of them Okay, they all yeah. work effectively. Yeah. Can can you give a little? Somebody give a little description. I ha think I have an sure. idea of what there's cornering three. it of cor so, cornering is, but yeah. So there's three gross sight pictures that I found to be the most effective. The first one is the back plate, right? You're putting the back plate in the middle of your acceptable level of accuracy, and you're pulling the trigger, right? Uh, for example, these gross sight pictures can only be done at very you know close distances, right? Yeah. We're still talking about extension shooting, not retention shooting, but extension shooting. Basically, you know, it's about three yards, right? And that's what I teach in my class. So one of the things I say to people is like, so, hey, man, uh, you're at th you shoot irons? Yeah. When you shoot at three yards, you can put three rounds in the A zone at three yards. What effective sight, you know, picture package you're looking for? It's like, oh, I look for a flash front sight picture. I'm like, really? <laughs> or are you really, dude? Or Where you did just, you read that? Yeah, I, and I say, bro, I'm not a judge. What are you, what are you doing? It's like, uh, I'm putting the gun in the middle of the target. I go, yeah, because you should, because the cone of deviation <laughs> is so small, and that's all you need. You're still aiming. You're not that doing that dumb point shooting thing that I was talk just going to say. This is not point shooting. I'm it's just not. You're that. still aiming. Yeah. Aiming is a is a is a visual reference between the gun and the target. If you're at yeah. three yards, all you need is the entire reference of the gun in the target. If you're further out, then you need the dot, but you're still aiming, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the first one. Backplate. Second one is the glass. You're ghost ringing the glass. You're putting the glass in the middle of the target. And, you know, in my class, we do three rounds, okay? Because that's a sustainable thing. Well, anybody can hit it once, maybe twice, three rounds. Now you have a process, right? Mm -hmm. uh, don't care if you see the dot or not. The final one is you're taking the acceptable level of accuracy. In my class, it's an A-zone type of shape, right, rectangle. And then you're cutting that in half with the top of the optic, right? Uh, I call it, other people call it guillotining. I have yeah, found I read with, amputation is the one I hear. You're basically you're basically holding the yeah. top of the red dot to the shoulder blades, correct? Yep. yep. Uh of the person. Nah, I put it center mass. I I do center mass, right? But whatever. It's the same concept, right? And then you gotcha. do three rounds. And then I ask people, which one you like the best? 
because okay. there's only like like three millimeters difference in elevation. You like what you like, right? Your extension, your height, your stance, your you know, blah, blah, blah. You like what you like, as long as they're effective. I don't care which one you like. Um, but then I ask, then I show people this. I go, when we start going through it from a draw, I'm like, hey, how many of you started seeing the dot when you weren't trying to? Nearly all the time, 90%, right? Because that's the other myth. The dot is slow up close. No, it's not, bro. You're slow up close. Right? <laughs> right? So we do these gross sight picture drills and oh my God, all of a sudden they start seeing the dot. Why? Because they're not worried about finding the dot. They're not leaning forward. They're not straining their neck. They're not locking out their arms, all of which causes the reason why you can't find the dot to get back to that. It's because you have multiple moving axes. Instead of your hands leveling out the guns in front of your eye, now you're leaning forward. You're squatting. You're, you're dipping to one side. You're straining your neck. You're putting your shoulders in your ears, causing multiple moving axes. Your body is one moving axis. Your hands, another moving axis. And you're expecting those to align perfectly on the target because you want to look like a tactical turtle, right? Stop. So you don't believe it. in getting behind the triangle? No. I mean, by the triangle, you mean that's where the tactical turtle comes from? That your arms are forming a triangle and you're kind of like d- dipping in between that. And I know what you mean by tactical turtle. Your, your neck is pushing forward is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. 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 No, I don't. No. Okay. I don't. Yeah. No, I, I I've, well, we've taken courses where that's like, that's kind of the, the big thing. Um, but I think, you know, getting behind the triangle and dipping so, head forward are, are two yeah. different things so when yeah. you say the triangle you're talking about they're standing in isosceles so their legs are yeah. creating a triangle and then their arms are extended out creating another triangle right correct yeah correct a hundred percent horrible so how what do, <laughs> i what, i didn't like it <laughs> what what do you what do you what do you teach fighter stance right okay if you if so since your body works like an x if you're right-handed your your left leg is the lead leg right Think about it with the way a boxer stands. You're talking about a bladed oh, stance? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, okay. Is no, that no, weaver? It's not bladed. My torso is right in front. No, you're just standing normally and you put your left foot forward. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. That's not modern isosceles. That's not modern weaver. That's a fighter stance. People have been fighting like that for tens of thousands of years. Why? Because your left leg forward creates a stop. Your right leg slightly backwards creates a backstop. To be fair, Mike, I I think that probably I, at least that's more of what I was doing with with the triangle that we were talking about. Well, that's my question: is are your arms still making the triangle, or are you doing like the, the push arms. pull of like meant. a weaver? Yeah, you meant the arms are the triangle. Correct. What, yeah. I'm talking about the uh, arms. Are your are your yeah. elbow are your elbows bent? Yes. No, no. no. I my, see. Mine was <laughs> right. You guys mine went to the same class, and you have no idea what you're supposed to do with your. No, elbows. no, no, no. We no. had different no. stances. Oh, we had different. Okay. We, yeah, yeah. Mine were mine were extended. My, they weren't teaching the stance so much. It was just talking about getting behind the triangle of your arms. I, sure. I always I always bend my arms like almost like shock absorbers. Yes. I don't know if you. Yeah. That's 100 percent correct. Right. You guys. So the whole Weaver stance, the Weaver stance. Right. Do you know? Right. So Jack Weaver right, was a revolutionary, not because of the way he bent his left elbow, but because he turned a handgun into a hands gun. He was one of the first one in the Colonel Cooper era to put both hands on the gun. You guys know why Jack Weaver bent his left elbow? Uh, It was shorter than the other. I don't know. No, no, no. (laughs) He had nerve damage in his left arm. He couldn't straighten it out if he wanted to. So all these people doing the, the the arm position of the weaver, right? That's like taking running advice from a paraplegic. <laughs> Why would you do that? Right. right. But he was still, he was still a revolutionary a because he used two hands, but we have this right. thing of taking everything part and parcel instead of asking the question, why? Yeah. To be clear, I, I do want to go to our next segment, but before yeah. I do, to be clear, the course we took did teach, a, a bladed stance and then a triangular, you know, your, your arms were triangular. And that's what I mean by getting behind the triangle is that your head was behind the triangle. Yeah. And it did help. It did help me because like I was, I, 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 my head was like too high and my fight, the firearm was too, was too low for my, um, for right. Yeah. I just wanted to, eyes. I just wanted to clarify because I mean, it was a good course. We've talked about it before in the show, but like, that's what I meant. It wasn't, um, it wasn't that like deep squat 1980s, yeah, yeah, no. you know, the, no, it, it really was that we, we, 
we didn't have the isosceles triangle on our legs. Like he not at not, all. He okay. whatever our whatever our legs wanted to do naturally, that was totally yes, fine. Exactly. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. <laughs> all right. So tonight on shooting the shit, we're going to continue. Uh, talking about all things appendix and red dot, and now we're switching over to appendix. And appendix is uh, scared of your dicks. Yeah, yeah, man. This is so. Let 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 me tell you something. When you, uh, when you said that earlier, I looked right at Mike. I said, "That's you, buddy." Yeah, I I got to tell you, this is something. I'm so glad I have you on the show. So, uh, I want to be an appendix carrier. So. <laughs> freaking bad i really do i mean i've bought so many holsters i've bought guns that i thought would work better um i mean let, let's let's get the advantages of appendix right we already talked about it it's in your direct control it's much quicker to get to um for me uh, you tell me if, if i'm wrong on this you're standing in line at a grocery store you don't have to worry about printing can someone see me if i bend can't see my gun if i bend yep. over yep. it's all in front of you so yep. it's in your workspace and i think that's a great thing and you tell me if i missed anything there but nope. absolutely right whether yeah. you're whether you're sitting you're standing blah 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 it's all right there when you're in your car you can get to it just like when you're standing up yep so i i think being in your workspace is great Obviously, there is a danger factor based on where it's pointing, and there's ways to negate that, right? So bending back a little bit, bending your hips when you reholster, sure. making sure there's no clothing garments in the holster. This yep. is nothing that anybody can't go look up, right? Right. But the problem I have is my absolute fucking mental block. I, can, I, I When I'm walking around standing, <laughs> walking around, I friggin' love it. But the second I sit down and that shit just pokes down into my friggin' frontal area... I can't stop thinking about. That. I could. I could be. Do, as long as it anything. doesn't get you excited, then no, yeah. it's the opposite. It makes everything shrink up. It's everybody's trying to like get out of the way, you know. Yeah. Do you have some sort of foam uh, wedge on your appendix holster? You know, it's funny you say that. I was looking at your site and some of your partners, and I found those cool. They had that. Yeah. Well, I don't know that. I know the company. You could. You could say the company. Yeah. They make the coolest foam wedges, and I did think about trying that. Yeah. Um, or even if you don't want to commit to that and spend that money, right? I'll spend the money. I don't care about that. Okay. All right, <laughs> I cool. love spending money on guns. Right? But I mean, you got to wait a little bit, right? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I mean, do it. Yeah. You know, uh, I think, you know, so the first one to put like a uh, wedge on their pistol was Spencer Keepers, right? Spencer Keepers Concealment. Yes. Great one, yep. right? I don't like the foam that he uses because on me, it winds up turning into like your wife's makeup sponge after about a week, right? <laughs> so what I wound up doing is taking like a yoga block, you know, those uh, uh, rectangular blocks that yoga people use. Yeah. yeah. And I just cut that up and I use it to this day. Right. I mean, I am, you know, I'm business partners and stuff uh, with tier one concealment. They have, you know, my pro models through them and everything. The two and a half block, a two and a half inch block is amazing. It's still too small on me. Right. So I put a yoga block on the back of mine. It's uh, soft enough that it doesn't cause hot spots. It's hard enough that it retains its shape, right? And that'll get rid of hot spots. That'll protect your junk from it. It also pushes the bottom of the holster out away from your junk. So when you do that slight hip forward movement with the angle of the holster with the wedge, you are never muzzling yourself. Yeah, no, the real. So here's the thing, like reholstering. I've done mm -hmm. this. I've reholstered. I feel comfortable, but my mind starts to go. What if I, what if I just missed that thread that went in there? What if I, you know, I can't, it, it really is like, I'm, I'm saying this, you, people at home are probably laughing. I know Keith's going to laugh at me. It's a true mental block. I just can't stop obsessing over So when you don't carry appendix, how do you carry? Uh, strong side. I try to be as much three o'clock as possible. Inside or outside? I love outside, but because it's hard to conceal typically inside. Yeah. So you don't muzzle yourself when you're holstering. I know. I get it. I believe me. I've run through all these mental exercises. I just, yeah. Ooh, I just, I mean, I love my nuts, man. Yeah, I say, here's, the, dude, here's the deal, man. You do what you want. You're an American. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. but the other is it, I conceal so well there. Like it's really yeah. like my body yeah. type conceals. Really well, here's well your there. other, here's your other problem, man. You Scott's may, basically saying there's nothing I can tell you to get over this mental. No, block nobody can. Yourself. I know. No, well, here's the thing, man. I don't care. 
I honestly don't. Carry your Shoot gun. Shoot under bro. a second and I don't care. Yeah, yeah. carry your gun, yeah. bro. You carry your gun, yeah. you knock yourself out, right? Yeah. But at the No, end, I mean, I listen, the thing is, Scott, I really want to. I yeah. just I, I wish at I could the, get past the mental. Here's block. the thing, man. At the end of the day, though, right? Uh you have to think of this. You Right. If you put this on a shot timer, you're going to have it just like me. You could be glorious going from three o'clock and your janky appendix draw is still going to be faster. Oh, I'm right? so much yeah. faster with it. I've dry fired it. I'm so yeah. much faster. So if, I'm not even I'm not even a fast shot from three o'clock. Yeah. I'm fat. I'm fast from appendix. Yeah. You know? And on the other hand, man, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the four firearm safety rules. I'm sorry, sure you've got good trigger finger discipline, especially when you're holstering your gun. Yeah. Right. So what's the one more? that worries me, and actually this is a question I had for you. Yeah. So someone says, I want to try this and they go to the range and they're practicing. Ultimately, what does everyone want to do? They want to get faster. They want to get faster. Yeah. They want to get faster. And eventually, doesn't that cause you, doesn't that cause you to just get that finger in a little, you're trying to get there a little quicker. Yeah. You're trying, doesn't it eventually uh, listen, cause these that? are the videos we've all seen on YouTube. Yes. Scott, you know what I mean? So right? how do you prevent that? I mean, like some guys won't even allow appendix at their classes. Think, Larry yeah. Vickers being one of them. Uh, oh, whatever, Larry. <laughs> what's, what, what's that whatever, whatever. No. Larry, but, but whatever. i mean like this is your specialty so like how do you ensure that someone doesn't get that finger in too quick and you know so here here's the here is the um so the official answer use. no no not the official answer but here's a fallacy mate why you got to go to the range to practice your draw right why don't you just go to your basement or your dry fire area and do it a thousand times and video yourself and see if there was ever a chance of your finger getting into the uh, trigger guard before your gun cleared Kydex. And if yeah. it did, you got a shitty holster, bro. Right. I see what you're saying. In other words, it's got to be up and out, out away before you could even, even get your finger there. Right. Yeah. It's almost yeah. impossible. Now, now drawing's not the problem. People shoot themselves when they're holstering. Mm, right i never thought of that yeah i never thought of that yeah yeah yeah. okay yep so when you're holstering if you're speed reholster or speed holstering bro you're gonna shoot yourself no matter where you're right and i don't even do that on a regular when i'm when i'm outside the waistband three o'clock i don't even do that yep you know what i'm saying like i I, i'm methodical in looking it back in the holster i don't pull that like and i was fine i was like people get so wrapped around the axle about this stuff right i mean in the firearms industry right so which which one of you is the shotgun ski guy uh, me, Keith. Is. Keith yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you let your friend walk around at competitions where they've got these gold medallions on their toes because they muzzle their feet all the time and they hang out like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but they open the, the breach. I was right? going to say, my breach is usually open. Whatever, when bro. You go to a pistol <laughs> class, you put that thing at slide lock and point that gun at your foot. See what people say. Yeah, you're right there. You yeah, know what I mean? So that's true. I'm just saying, you know, it's just, it's just really weird about what we get wrapped around the axle on, on stuff like and, that, right? And uh, with a Kydex holster, Scott, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no chance of that Kydex getting, it's it, a good holster is going to hold up rigidity wise, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing I'm really hearing Scott say about this too is experience. Like you got to experience this. You have to practice with it. And, you know, once you're doing it, you, you're not going to do it. You're not, you know, you're not going to do that thing. You, you test this a thousand times dry fire and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, maybe that's it. Like, so I, so when I first tried to do this, I said, let me carry, and I don't do this as a practice for anyone listening, but I said, let me try to just carry it empty, like an empty gun. You know, I, mean, I think my life is pretty good. I've lived a long time without having to draw. Yeah, you gun. told me, you told me you were carrying without, and I was carrying without and just walking around and not that that would be ever what I do as a tactical decision, but just to see if I could just get used to the position and I felt great, you know? And then I said, okay, now I'm going to carry one. And as soon as I chambered, it was like fucking bullets fucking aimed at my dick. Like I can't. Well, I again, again, with the proper size wedge, my, my muzzle is never pointed at my dick. I'm going to try that. So so you're saying the wedge pushes the, even seated, it pushes it out far enough. Even more seated. Yeah. Even more. Because yeah, your yeah, groin yeah. pushes out when you sit down, right? Yes, yes, yes. Right? Yes, so yes, it's, a, it's yeah. a buffer between your gore, groin and the holster. Yeah, that's, I'm going to get a wedge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. To sure. change your life. Yeah. And you'll conceal better too. Okay. I, 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 want, I, want, I want Mike to say he's going to, you know, gets these wedges and he's carrying appendix. Scott, I want to hear it. I just bought an appendix holster for this gun, so I'm I'm gonna get a wedge now. So all right, so so uh, let's real quick. We got a couple minutes here. Let's talk some quick techniques on drawing from the appendix. Give us your your quick notes. 
Uh, yeah. So just so, so here's the thing, right? Uh, here's the technique that I tell people. Okay. Uh, like if you're going from a high thoracic hand position, you know, um, a, a fighting hand position, not a surrender position, but you look like you're in a fighting position, right? Yep. Uh, the thing I tell people is stop going for the hem of your shirt. It's not a proprioceptive index. You can't feel your hem. That's why you keep on missing it. Instead, grab at your belly button. You always know where your belly button is. Okay. Uh, if you're a hairy bastard, and you're gonna pull out. <laughs> Don't grab your too tight. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, either wear a rash guard or a compression shirt, or shave, you nasty shave. bastard. <laughs> the ladies yeah. will love you for it. Yeah, shave, and it'll make you faster in the water. Anyway. <laughs> uh, when you grab your pistol, I like the claw grip. I don't get that classic full fire grip, which is, which is gun, thumb, stomach, because it provide, uh, creates friction. I Wait, like can I to, stop you, can I stop you really quick? Yeah. I, I, this was a question I had. And I, I think it's what you're talking about, but I'm confused. So you're saying do or don't put the thumb behind the actual grip. You're saying don't do that. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying it's less efficient because it causes friction. Yes. So yeah, right. instead, is your thumb going sort of over the over the back plate? Yeah. And please. then you and then you adjust it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a non beaver tail gun, right, put your thumb on the rear sight. Right. Yep. If you've got Makes a beaver sense. tail gun, then you just need to flag it. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to, you know, sever your thumb with your beaver tail. OK. Um, one of those things. Right. Since your thumb is not in between the gun and the stomach, it. Uh, doesn't allows create you to pull friction. it out. Yeah. Yep. And yep. you're saving time. You're saving yeah. time. So I've always yes. done that naturally, but I thought that maybe it was wrong because you then have to adjust your thumb. But so you're saying well, like on a Glock, on a Glock or a striker fire, you would put it on the actual rear where the striker plate is, correct? Yep. yep. But on, on a 191011, blah, 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 just flag it uh yeah, by the beaver tail okay there's a whole gotcha. other technique yeah. but people won't understand what i'm saying on over you know on, on a yeah I, I, uh just over this podcast um then what you want to do because there's no friction you need to stab the gun out of the holster you need to bounce it right so what does that mean you're literally pushing down like you're bouncing a basketball boom and what happens is with the proper holster and the proper belt that kinetic energy goes into the holster and then it rebounds and then instead of coming becoming two actions of grab the gun pull it out now it's just one action of bouncing it out and it'll take another point one to point two five off your draw depending on how quick or slow you are okay wow that's making sense man that yep. i want to let's go to the range i want to go yeah. try this I'm yep. gonna go, go. actually we're just going to the basement we're gonna dry fire it's i'm gonna put a go. gun in my junk for a whole whole bunch in the basement holy <laughs> yeah. crap that's yep. that's crazy now so, does um does the mantis x help you time this at all i, I don't Man, remember i don't think so uh no. the new mantis x kind of can keep up with my draws right it's much better than the than the first version did yep. you show but, off <laughs> i'm just you know it is you what are it fast. is. You yeah. are fast. No doubt about it. It is what it is, right? Uh, the new one's much better. If if right now your draw is like between the 1 and 1. 1.5, uh, the Mantis X will help keep some times on there. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, the final thing is how you actually get your grip together, right? Everybody goes for the trigger guard. Again, you can't feel your trigger guard. It's not part of your body. So instead of doing that, your index finger to your support hand to your middle finger of your firing hand. There you go. All right. Very well, good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So I really want to thank you, Scott, for a, for coming on the show and talking to us about all things modern samurai project related. Uh, I mean, your methods on appendix carry and pistol red dot. I mean, listen, anybody out there, just go Google, you know what he's doing. Scott and I mean, Jedi. you're the, you're the guy on this, you know? And, uh, I have to say we've had a lot of guests, but your level of detail in describing this stuff is really, really helpful. That so, OCD kicking in, Scott. Yeah. Ah. So yeah. I hope people out there are uh, got something out of this and learned something and got a good laugh at my mental block uh, escapades. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I really want to thank you. And to everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good time. All right. Take care.